I recently watched a video where a pastor allowed his five-year-old son to take over his pulpit. Now, I, I want I want you to to hone in on that for a second. This child is a five-year-old, which means he's a toddler. He's probably three years out of diapers. Now, I understand that five-year-olds develop differently as far as their ability to communicate and to learn their basic skills, whether it be learning their primary colors, learning how to spell their name, write the alphabet, and also read, form sentences, how to count, you know, how to count and and writing numbers and all of that. I know that different kids develop at different levels and at different, I guess, speeds. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. No five-year-old should be in a pulpit trying to preach a gospel message to adults. That doesn't make any sense at all. I understand. I believe I understand where the father was going with the idea or the intent of it. I mean, the Bible does command us in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go. So when they're old, they would not depart from it. So apparently this father is exposing this child, his son, to the word of God. That is a wonderful thing. And for that, that father should be commended because a lot of parents aren't doing that and have never done that. So for that part, I give the father his respect and his due. Where I disagree completely with is the father's decision to allow his son, his toddler son, to try to preach a message. A five-year-old cannot talk that eloquently. And they're not supposed to. They're a child. Stay with me here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a point. So basically the, the young boy, he mentioned Jesus several times about how Jesus is good and how the devil is bad. Well, those are both true. Well, once he got to the end, I guess, of his preaching part, he went on his what I call his James Brown routine. You know how teachers love to scream and holler and hoop at the end of their messages. So that's obviously something that he also learned from his father. So if he stays in that vein, he is going to be a hooping, hollering preacher saying, making a whole bunch of noise but saying nothing really at all. And 
So he did that for several minutes where he screamed at the top of his lungs. And you guys know how that goes. I mean, you, you've probably been in churches. You probably, you may be a part of a church where the preacher at the end of his message will start to scream and holler and hoop. And, and this is what this, this is what it does. Explain, I mean, let me explain to you what that does. It completely takes the focus off of the Word of God and God Almighty Himself and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and it focuses it on the preacher. And it focuses it on the, the congregation instead of focusing on what's most important, God's Word. So when you have preachers that are performers, then the message to me of the gospel gets lost because they have to put in that filler of making a bunch of noise and hooping and hollering and screaming at the top of their lungs and sweating out their suits in order to get a point across. See, when you are weak doctrinally, then you need a a place filler. And that's usually the place filler. You have the noise, the screaming of the people, and you have the organ playing, the music going, and all that kind of thing. So I said all that to simply say this. Churches that have that type of vibe, that type of presentation, is what is simply called a seeker-sensitive church. And a seeker-sensitive church is one that is based more so on emotion as opposed to doctrine. And let's face it, a lot of people are bored to death with just hearing a teacher teach the word of God. They don't, you know, that that, that doesn't excite them because they're looking to be entertained. They're looking to have their ears tickled. They're they're waiting for somebody to get them hype and get them excited, you know, so they can get the dopamine going in the brain and get the, you know, get the uh, the other juices flowing, so to speak. So if they can't go into an atmosphere that is more concert and is more, you know, lights and camera and action and, and smoke and pyrotechnics and people jumping all around and and that sort of thing, and the music is hypnotic and stuff like that, then they're not interested. So a seeker-sensitive church is a church that caters to the unsaved or the unchurched. They want them to come into the house of God and they can be comfortable, receive a non-offensive message about uh, how wonderful they are, and how, how you can make it and about your your dreams and your goals and your aspirations and, and that sort of thing. And in and of themselves, those things are great. We should all have goals. We should all have dreams. We should all have aspirations. But if that's the primary focus of why you go into the house of God to talk about, about how great you are, and how wonderful you are, then you've missed the whole message or the whole point of being there. And a pastor, quote unquote, 
if that's all that they're going to teach you, they are out of the will of God. Matter of fact, I would go as far as to say that a preacher who does not preach the gospel, the biblical gospel, is your enemy. Yeah, I said it. I'll say it again. A pastor who does not preach a biblical gospel or the biblical gospel is your enemy. Why? Because if they do not teach a biblical gospel, that simply means that they're not going to teach on the thing that you need the most. And that is the awareness of your sinful nature. The fact that you are currently dead and trespasses and sins and that God's wrath is currently abiding on the unsaved man, woman, boy, or girl. That's John chapter 3, verse 36. He says, he that has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him or her. So we have to do this. Every gospel presentation has to have two elements. Has to have two elements if it's going to be a fair and balanced gospel presentation. You must speak the truth in love. As Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 we're commanded to speak the truth in love. That means we don't speak it with our nose in the air like we're better than the people that we're talking to. We don't speak it in malice. We don't speak it in the sense that get saved or go to hell. While that's true that if a person dies in sin, dies in unbelief, they will go to an eternal hell slash lake of fire, but that is not the way we want to present the gospel to the non-believer. We want to let them know that because God loves them, he is warning them to repent of sin. That's what Jesus came to the earth to do. And because God the Father so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that is John of chapter 3 verse 16 the most celebrated passage in the whole no doubt in the whole bible and so that's love that's loving us enough to warn us of impending danger for those who don't know the lord you're in trouble God is angry with you, but at the same time, he's loving you to the degree that he is warning you, he's letting you know what your condition is, what your spiritual condition is, what your relationship to him is, and what you need to do about it. If that's not the message that a preacher is delivering, they are your enemy. They're not helping you because they simply want to fill the seats. They simply want your money. They're not letting you know that you're about to fall off the cliff and plummet to your death. 
they're not willing to tell you that. So through this message, I'm going to tell you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in trouble. You are hastening to a quick death. And if you die without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be eternally lost and condemned and on your way to hell and a Christless eternity. That's the truth. That's the word of God. And that is clear and evident in Holy Scripture. But everyone has a decision that they can make. They can make the right choice. So a seeker-sensitive church does not preach a biblical gospel and not to preach a biblical gospel and teach a false gospel has eternal damnable consequences and anybody with half a brain does not want to do that all right let me let me uh Call some passages of scripture that talks about a message that needs to be preached. Jesus, when he started his public ministry in Matthew's gospel, the fourth chapter, 17th verse, he started out by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, why did he start his gospel that way? Because he got right to the heart of man's problem. What is man's problem? His sinful nature. I've said it once, twice, 10 times, numerous times. I'm always gonna say it. Sin is a spiritual dis-ease, or as we say, a disease. And it has no earthly cure. There never would be an earthly cure for man's spiritual disease. The only one that can cure your disease is God. How does he do it? Well, the power of his word is what breaks down that calcified heart that we have and causes us, and he causes us to be receptive to the gospel message and that gospel message has to be presented with power if it's a real gospel message it will produce power the bible says that paul speaking he says i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god unto salvation to the jew first and then to the greek so if it's a biblical message power is released by the by God's words that is spoken through his yielded vessel and that person will be pricked to the heart as it says in Acts chapter 2 after Peter got through speaking to the Jews on the day of Pentecost after he got through speaking they said uh, men and brethren okay what do we do what do we do from here we've heard you speak the word of God we know what our problem is. What do we do? He says, repent 
He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. And then he said in verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, he says, be saved from this perverted generation. So we are not, it is not the job of the pastor, the preacher to make the sinner comfortable. That's not their house. It's God's house. And being that it's God's house, God has rules in his house. Just like in your house, if I'm going to be invited to your home, if you're going to invite me to your home, I have to follow your rules. If I don't like your rules, then I cannot come to your house because you don't want me to violate the rules of your house. I get that. I respect that. So if someone's going to come to God's house, then they have to respect the rules of the house. God is the owner of the house, the house, the church. That's his body. Jesus Christ came and he died and he suffered and was humiliated for his people. So anyone that comes into God's house and comes in his domain has to follow and be subject to his rules. Period. We don't make the world comfortable. It's not that's 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 backwards. It is the job of the pastor to love the sinner enough to make them uncomfortable because they, up to this point in their life, they've been too comfortable in their sin. They love their sin. They have to get to a point where they love to hate their sin. That's the point that you want them to get to. You want to get them a point of utter despair and humiliation that says, I've lived my life in utter wretchedness, stupidity, foolishness and I can't save myself. I don't know what to do. Tell me what I need to do so I can do it. I just read in Acts chapter 2 what Peter told the Jews on the day of Pentecost that had come from different nations from around the world to celebrate the Passover feast. And he told them, he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the message that needs to be preached to the unsaved. Not try to draw them in with worldly allurements. They don't need any more of that. That is what's ruining them in the first place. That is what's (laughs) causing them to descend more and more closer to hell. You want to snatch them out of the fire, not push them further closer to it. So, so I'll ask this question. Is the place where you're going to right now, do you think it's challenging you to be more holy? Or is it simply not? Is, or, I mean, is, is the preacher more interested in your holiness and in your sanctification and challenging you to live a life of... Um, conformity to Jesus Christ or are you comfortable there? Are you not being challenged in your walk with the Lord? I mean, you have to answer that question and you have to have enough care about your own life 
in your own spiritual development to determine should you remain at the place where you're at or should you pack up and go and find a church that's going to deliver the word and nothing but the word. No additives, no preservatives. Because there are plenty of ministers that don't even crack open their Bibles. They will provide you with a esoteric message. And what I mean by that is a message that did not come from the Lord, but they claim that God gave it to them. It is totally foreign to the Bible. And it's it's a it's a motivational message. It it gets the people jumping up and down out of their seats. Because once again, it's seeker sensitive. It is focused on the person. That meaning the preacher, and it's focused on the people. So it's it's a man-centered atmosphere. It's a man-centered gospel and not a God-centered gospel. And this is what Paul said to the Galatians in the first chapter. He says, if anyone, he says, even if it's a an angel, and if anyone has comes to you and preach another gospel other than that which we have preached, he says, let him be anathema. That word means to be consigned to eternal destruction. And he doesn't say it once. He says it twice. And he says it twice because he's emphasizing the importance of the emphatic statement. He says, I said it once, I'll say it again. If whether it be me or even an angel preach any other gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. That is a very serious warning. That means God is not playing with his gospel. What is the gospel? It means good news. What is the good news? That God the Father sent the Son to come to die for sinners. That's the best news of all time. And if we lived a million lifetimes, there would be no better message than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that God loved us so much in spite of us, in spite of how we are, to come to send his perfect son to die for sinners. And as I've said this before, and I'll say it again, the sinless died for the sinful and the guiltless died for the guilty. Plain and simple. So if you're in a church that's one that's got all the pyrotechnics and all the lights and all the, um, you know, the banging music and stuff like that, and it's, it's an atmosphere that's, that's culturally acceptable, but it's not a holy, sanctified atmosphere, realizing that if you're in the house of God, you're on hallowed ground, and the main attraction has to be the Lord and not people. If you're in a church where that's the <laughs> week-to-week atmosphere, you're in the wrong church because it's worldly, it's secular, it doesn't look any different from the world because you're trying to draw, you're trying to draw the world in by by worldly means. And what that tells me is that the person, the man, is trying to grow God's church. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that 
God said he will add to his church those that will be saved. God is going to build his church. We don't have to build it. We just have to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel. God will add those who are being saved. We can't make converts. We can't uh, force people to be saved. We just have to deliver the gospel message because that's where the power lies. And then let God do what he does. He converts the soul. That's what Psalm 19 verse 7 says. It says the word of God is what converts the soul. Man, we do not convert souls. Jesus commanded his apostles to make disciples of all nations. So once a person comes to saving faith, then it's our job to help them to grow, to develop. Because when you come into the faith, you are a babe. You're a baby in Christ. You're an infant, which means you're unskilled. You're dependent upon someone. You need the milk of God's word. You're you're at the, right at the beginning, you're at the elementary stage of your walk with God. And you need to be held by the hand and be shown and directed in which way you ought to go. A mature Christian has to disciple an immature Christian because a disciple is a learner. That's what it means. That's what disciple means. You are a student. You're a student. You're, you're a follower. You're a follower of Christ. That's what a disciple is. And that's why Jesus, this, uh, his 12 were called disciples. And he also gave them the name apostles because it means those who have been sent because not only did he call them and they followed him he sent them out and so that is the role of the church the role of the church is not to try to entertain the world so that the world will come in and bring their worldliness with them we want the world to change in other words we don't blend with the culture it is our job to change the worldly culture because the worldly culture is hellbound. We don't want that culture in the church. We want that culture to be <laughs> dissolved so that they will become part of God's kingdom and be part of a holy culture, a holy nation. You follow what I'm saying? So seeker sensitive churches are enemies. They're enemies. <laughs> and the preacher that is over a secret sensitive church is the enemy of the uh, to me of everybody that person is a wolf disguised as a sheep alright that's all I want to say about that so talk to you soon God bless